Welcome to the Dear White Women Pod. Wait a second. Let me interrupt myself. It is book launch day. I'm so excited. If you have not already pre-ordered, it is time to pull over to the side of the road and get your Amazon order in for our brand new book. Dear White Women, let's get uncomfortable talking about racism. And then don't forget to tell your friends and family today about it so they order their copy too, because then you can talk about it. Yay! But really, we thank you in advance. Yes, thank you for your support. And so, you know, we are doing presentations in your corporations, in your book clubs, in your schools. Let us know if you want us there to help bring these conversations to your community. You can always reach us at hello at dearwhitewomen.com. And obviously, we're also all over social media. But getting back to the show. In honor of book launch day, we're going to talk all things book. We had a lot of people submitting questions for us to discuss today. And as a reminder, we remain the fabulous Dear White Women podcast, the show that helps white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism. And we are your biracial hosts, Sarah and me, Sasha. So normally, for those of you who do not have not heard our inner workings of our episodes, we normally script this a lot more. So today we literally just have a list of questions, no notes. So... It's kind of exciting. (laughs) I know. Okay. So this first question I love because like I have to think about this one a little, but I think you'll see why when I ask it. All right. So the first question is, what were your initial impressions of each other? And part 1A to that question is, was it friend love at first sight? Sarah. (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me first. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this was 25 years ago. Now, folks, literally, yes. Imagine this scenario where you're in the basement room of like student center at your college. And there is a person leading this group conversation. We're in the half Asian People's Association, the HAPA meeting, which it was their inaugural meeting for the school year. I think we walked in and they asked this question. We don't share this that often. It's probably a legit question in some circles. It was HAPA. Are we half a person or are we double a person? And at that point, I think several of us had our eyes roll back in our heads being like, this is not how I process my identity. And a few of us got up and left. In the shoulder jostling to get out of that doorway was me, Sasha, and me, and then a couple of other people we did wind up keeping in touch with. So first of all, you're hearing our voices. Misasha is freaking beautiful. There's like a sparkle factor about this woman that like, so, so I was just like, Whoa, who's this? (laughs) She's stunning. This is so awkward. (laughs) Yeah. But I also more than anything was like, sweet. Someone else like also thought that that was an absolutely like, I don't know. I'm not going to judge the question. It was not a question for me to answer about whether I was half a person or double a person based on my biracial identity. So I was like, cool. There's a great common starting ground here. And I think at that point, we really all just, we clicked. Yeah. You know, my biggest impression of that whole thing was that you and I stood outside talking, if you remember for a bit. And I like to be clear, okay, this is Boston. Like I don't stand outside in the fall because I am too cold (laughs) all the time. California weakling. (laughs) So I really, the very fact that I stood outside talking to you for a period of time after that meant that I must have been friend love at first sight because like I wouldn't just stand outside for anyone. Okay. In the fall, in the winter, nah. So yeah, I do think something clicked. And there is something to be said about that 
shared identity that we have being biracial that you just understand. I felt like you understood me on a level that sometimes I, you know, it could take years to explain that to people and it still wouldn't really fit in the same way. Totally. That's so funny. It took a little while longer for her to start making fun of my lack of fashion sense. That that took like (laughs) (laughs) two more days. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It wasn't until you showed me all your photos from home that I suddenly connected all the dots. You know how we, on the show, we talk about like that linear, like, (laughs) and I suddenly saw everything was clear. It's like, oh, illuminated. I'm like a fine wine. Let's just go with that. (laughs) We're going with that for clothes. Okay. Yep. All right. So question number two, and thank you all for submitting these. How do your kids feel about your podcast and your book? So my kids are a little younger than yours. I think they think it's super cool that we have a podcast, not knowing that literally anyone can start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So they have actually, it was really funny. You know, my older son, both my kids play. I talked about sports a lot on the podcast. They I don't even think I told you this story yet, Sarah, but my older son comes home from soccer practice yesterday and he's saying like, oh, my friend, this other kid in his practice, like said, you have a book. And I was like, oh yeah, his mom listens to the podcast. So thank you, Simon and Laura. But then he's like, yeah, and my, this other kid was listening in and he was like, ooh, what's the book about? And my son looks at him and is like, grown up stuff. <laughs> so I was like, well, <laughs> So their awareness, I think they are really proud of us though, which is as a parent, there's nothing that feels better, right? Than when your kids are really proud of you. Totally. I agree. What about yours, Sarah? I remember at one stage, like a couple of years ago, they were like, are you kidding, mom? You have like the coolest job of all the parents. Like you're a podcaster. And I'm like, okay. It's right up there with YouTuber. You're like right under that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Now TikToker would probably be better nowadays, but that wasn't around back then. So they think it's cool and they really have taken on board the conversations that we have largely based on the fact that you and I are so immersed in this work. And with the book, they are all over it. Actually, both of them are avid readers and have already started reading the book. They like it. They think it's accessible. Like they get it. I love that. In their sort of preteen years, which is, I think, hopefully telling, right? That it is an approachable, easy book that I'm not like hiding from my children. So yeah, it's kind of nice actually to have the kids be like, that's what my mom does. You should wear your dear white women's stuff more often. (laughs) I love it. All right. Next question. What was your hardest interview and or episode to record and why? I know. All right. Share. It was the episode we had with Molly Ryan kills enemy. Mm. A Native American woman who was, or is, I guess, a recovered addict, survivor of abuse, and just like brings this energy of a person that I hadn't had an opportunity to like interview before. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had to honor her pace and I wanted to hear all of her wisdom. And I was, like wanting to make sure that I wasn't saying the wrong thing. It felt like this is a person with such tremendous lived experience Mm -hmm. that all I could do was sort of listen in a different way. But it was a very different energy than any sort of interview we have done sort of before and since. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I haven't thought about that interview in a while, but I agree. Right. And we did the first part in person, which was also like technically speaking, a more tricky interview as well. Oh, because we did that one at the Denver Women's March. Yeah. How about you? You know, I think the one that we did 
right after the Atlanta shootings was personally both freeing, but very hard. I think Mm. I had been crying like a lot that week and it wasn't until we really sort of recorded that episode that I was able to process my anger and it was so personal. And a lot of what we talk about is really personal, right? But in how we view the world, but this was like fundamentally about us in some ways. And it wasn't in so many other ways, but it was like the therapy that I didn't know that I needed at the time. And I think that a lot of that came out in that episode. That's interesting. I don't think I knew that you had been crying a lot that week either. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It just, I would read articles and I would be, and it was like unexpected. It was just like my body trying to process all of this anti-Asian sentiment and how the media was addressing it or not addressing it. Right. And to be so invested in so much of these feelings towards my husband and my sons for Black Lives Matter and just the continual murder of Black people. And then to see that the anti-Asian hate just sort of be swept under the rug. You know, it was a weird feeling of, of not being seen. So we needed to use our voices. And I'm so glad we recorded that episode, though. Totally. It's oddly one of my favorites for those reasons as well. I remember that period of time as the time where both of my identities came sort of crashing together into one. Totally. And I think that's when I shifted my language based largely on some conversations that we got to have around that period from half Japanese, half white to biracial Mm -hmm. in the same vein of like, I don't half tiptoe in any of these worlds. I understand both of them. And to be seen for the first time in living in sort of predominantly white states for 15 years. And so to finally be seen by somebody as an Asian woman and get that phone call of like, are you okay? Yeah. That's when I cried. I remember that very, very strongly. And it was, I was so grateful. So, so grateful for that experience of like feeling all of that pain because all of a sudden I felt really like I could be like truly myself again, really whole, as opposed to just piecemeal living a little bit in each, you know, having my inside the house Japanese stuff, but outside the house, I was predominantly white. Like it was a really, really healthy processing of that time for me. Oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Are there any episodes, another question, where you wish you had a do-over and why? I'm curious to hear what you're going to say, but no, actually. And I thought for sure I could think of one, but I've loved the episodes that we, especially the interview episodes, like how, you know, we've been talking. So I feel like more and more recently, Sarah, about how lucky we are to be able to interview the people that we do, right? I can't think of like an episode. Sure. Do I think there are more eloquent ways that I could have said something? Yes. hundred percent. Yes. But if anything, remember that time? (laughs) no, tell the story. Can you remember that time where we were recording a really serious, heavy episode and I've tried to find it since then, but we couldn't pronounce the word disenfranchisement. I was hoping you would tell this story. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was about World War II. I'm pretty sure. Or it was something like that was equally horrific. And then we suddenly... Like, I couldn't say it. Like, I tried three or four times, like, patted my cheeks. I'm starting to cry from laughing. Eventually, I had to be like, Misasha, you have to take this sentence now because I can't say this factoid because the word is actually not coming out of my mouth. And it was so inappropriate to be laughing, but it was really comic relief. It was about a five-minute period where we could just not get that 
that one sentence recorded, which is, it rarely happens to us, but it, oh God, it was so funny though. It was really funny, but it was pretty funny. I think our sound editors did an excellent job, like trimming it down. So it wasn't like we took you all on this ridiculous journey. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone wanted to hear that or they would have been like, um, something is not fitting here. So besides that, are there episodes, anything out there for you? No, you know, I tend to not live life with regrets. I really work hard to just make the decisions that I can make in the moment with all the information that I have and just sort of plow ahead. And so, yeah, are there times where someone's energy was lesser or I wish we could have maybe gotten even more into conversation or like kept going and then split it into two episodes? Yeah. I mean, we've gotten so lucky and have such fortunate conversations. And so for sure, but I've been so lucky. I wouldn't do any of them over. They've been incredible experiences and then learning experiences from every single one of them. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Where do each of you record your podcast and where are your families then? (laughs) They are tied to the chains in the basement. No, wow, you really got that voice down. Um. (laughs) Prepping for Halloween. So I am in my office, like nothing fancy folks where I am at my desk. If any of you ever talk to me on zoom, I've got this whole wall of quotes behind me and usually someone is usually in the house. If not, it's like a dog is somewhere in the house. And we try to do it usually when the kids are out of the house, because it's a lot easier, but when not, they usually are sworn to be silent for this one period of time. And then we open the doors and we're like, okay, you can speak again. We're good. My kids have perfected like the army crawl in so they can, cause I record, I don't have an office. I have super office envy. Every time I see Sarah's like quote wall, I record in the corner of the primary bedroom. So it's not even as fancy as an office. I have literally a chest of drawers and I drag a chair in front of it and I put my laptop on there. So And is it like one of those mini chairs where you have like one butt cheek on it or is it like an actual chair? No, I've graduated. When we started recording the podcast, I had the mini chair, but now I've graduated to an actual chair. So it's a little bit better for my posture and for the ability to record more than 30 minutes at a time. But yeah, same as you, Sarah, my family's someone's always here, I feel like. But yeah, their kids are typically out or they will army crawl in, write me notes, leave me notes, and then army crawl back out. Yeah. And you realize, by the way, we've done this show for two and a half years, one and a half of which was during COVID. So we definitely had everyone home at that period. Yes, we definitely. And I don't know, you guys tell us, did you hear background noise? Were we good? Let us know. But I know it's well, it's hard to see the piercing mom gaze, you know, through the mic, right? It's hard to hear that, but we're pretty good with like gesticulating and the death stare for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have a video version of these podcasts, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, because we want to make sure we save you all time to go buy our book and tell people about it. But how do you envision your work evolving going forward? Mm. That's such a great question. I love that that's the last question too. You know, it's so funny because when we started our podcast in, you know, the spring of 2019, I basically thought we would be lucky if we had like some friends and family listen to it and it would be like, we would tell these sort of stories. And so I didn't actually picture that we would be sitting here, you know, two and a half years later talking about our book. So I see it growing. I mean, I I think we've talked to companies, we've talked to schools, we talk to communities, I think. And each time we do that, it gives me so much hope, right? So I think continuing to grow and build along that 
ability to bring this hope, right, to people along with sort of practical steps, right, to how do we, we're not at this post-racial, you know, society yet. Like 2021 doesn't look different than 2020 in that way, except that we are just having more of these conversations. So let's keep pushing that forward. And however we choose to do that, I'm in for the ride. I think it's going to be so great. What about you, Sarah? Totally. Well, one of the things I've loved about working with you, and it's funny, folks, because we have been such good friends for so long that someone said to me the other day, they're like, well, do you want to ask your business partner? And I was like, who? (laughs) I have the same reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Yes. That's me, Sasha. We're talking about, you know, one of the things I like about working with you is that I think you keep me in check. I'm one of these people who comes up with ideas all the time and we're able to sort of suss out which ones make sense. But together we're able to lean into what works for us naturally in our strengths, right? We obviously can talk, uh, duh. And then (laughs) writing is another medium that you and I are good at. We're able to communicate through that way and to find our natural voice in writing was a really cool challenge and it felt natural. The same way that I think our framework for this idea of our show and the book, which is like, listen, learn, and act, right? Let's focus some shows on listening to people's narratives that might not be centered in the conversation in the past. Let's learn and learn this history or the legal framework or all of these things like facts that are out there together and then act like look at ways that we can do something different. You know, those, I feel like our podcast has evolved in this way to showcase sort of these ways of looking at it more clearly, almost because of the book. So I do think that everything will continue to grow naturally. I'm excited for like the possibility of who knows, maybe there will be another book one day where it's our own theories of change you know, as opposed to this anti-racism 101 sort of book that we have right now. I'm excited. Yeah. I love this work that we are doing. I love that we can share our stories and our experience and our knowledge together. And I loved that someone called us the yin and the yang of podcasters. (laughs) Right. It was so perfect. It was. I reflect on that being like, we have these similar strengths in some ways, but also completely different ways of looking at the world and different skills as well. And so- I don't know. I'm really grateful that I get to work with you, that we get to do this together and continue to move the needle. So thank you for being my best friend. No, likewise. Likewise. And thanks for really like doing this. We're in it and we have a lot more to come. It's time to order our book, Dear White Women, Let's Get Uncomfortable Talking About Racism, which is now available for you to order anywhere you like to get books. So go on and buy it and send us a picture on Instagram with you and your copy. And then make sure you follow the Dear White Women podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts so you keep getting the newest episodes each Tuesday. And don't forget to rate and review us as you share our show with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Dear White Women Podcast and at Twitter at DWW Podcast. And if you love us, bring us into your place of employment or circle of influence for a talk or ask us about our webinars and consulting work. 